0: Hi, this is Tom Compton. You're listening to WHTT Speaks Out. Each week, Chuck Carlson and members of We Hold These Truths look into events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events. Ready, set, let the sparks fly. In today's WHTT Speaks Out, we've entitled this, well, we've got a couple titles here. I've originally titled this Christian Zionism mean-spirited religiosity, trumping faith and compassion. And we've also had a suggestion, Christian Zionism, as a heretical message. And first of all, for those who may not know, I went to dictionary.com and looked up religiosity. And it has two definitions. One, the quality of being religious, piety, devoutness. Two, affected or excessive devotion to religion. And we're going to be talking about a new phenomena. Craig Hansen gave us a report from his vigil at the Kufi event in Sacramento, and you can listen to that podcast just the week prior to this one. And the subject is Christian Palestinianism, and we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about the the fellow that named it. His name is Dr. Paul Wilkinson. He's from the UK. And but I wanted to start off with this concept of religiosity, and I want to refer to a piece. It was actually an address by our friend Reverend Alex Awad, who is a Palestinian Christian. He has a small Baptist church in East Jerusalem, and he's also a professor and and dean at the Bethlehem Bible College. And we'll also have a link to this paper. It's entitled, Palestinian Christians in the Shadow of Christian Zionism. I'm going to quote some of this. One Sunday afternoon in July 2000, many members and pastors of local evangelical congregations from the Palestinian territories in Arab East Jerusalem had gathered at the Bethlehem Hotel in Bethlehem in order to celebrate the formation of a new council. An American woman who was present at the meeting approached one of the pastors and asked permission to say a few words to the assembly. The moderator, totally unaware of what the woman might said, nonetheless agreed to let her talk. When the lady took the microphone, neither I nor others' present could believe the words that came out of her mouth. She declared to the Palestinian evangelical Christians assembled that she had a word from the Lord for them. God, she said, wanted them all to leave Israel and go to other Arab countries. She added that they must leave to make room for God's chosen people, the Jews. Moreover, she warned the pastors and the audience that if they did not listen to the instructions which God had given through her, God would pour out his wrath on them. And they did escort her out of the room. Let's turn to a couple of Bible verses that are kind of applicable, I think. John thirteen thirty five. Jesus is saying, by this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And that certainly kind of flies in the face of what that lady was demonstrating at that meeting. James 1, verses 26 and 27. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. And then lastly, Colossians 2, verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. And so this subject of Christian-Palestinian we're going to broach tonight, and I'd like to, there's several articles. It appears that it actually started, was named by this Paul Wilkerson about five, six years ago. It was based on a doctoral thesis. But here's an example from Bible prophecy Blog by a fellow named Jim Fletcher, and it's entitled Christian Palestinianism, April 28, 2011. And he says, quote, For some time I have been raising the alarm that evangelical Christianity has been infiltrated by theological leftists. Among other things, this impacts our nation's view of Israel. A battle for Israel is being fought in the United States right now, Traditionally, Americans have supported the Jewish state and the U.S. has always been one of the few friendly havens for Jews. I believe that is changing. And he mentions a young fellow by the name of Chris LaTondreau of Recovering Evangelicals. And he said something interesting. And also, we'll talk about this, Paul Wilkinson. They have some interesting quotes. And, of course, they put some interesting twists on it. And I like to call... Dr. Wilkinson, Dr. Guilt by Association. That's kind of the way these people work. And, of course, they're smearing it by calling this young man a theological leftist. But here's a quote from this Chris LaTondres that makes a lot of sense to me. I'm not going to read all of it. Our primary classrooms are Brazilian favelas rural villages in Kenya, and bombed-out neighborhoods in Gaza. These people aren't our causes, they are our friends. For these reasons and more, we're turned off when faith becomes a bludgeon used to condemn those outside of our tribe. We think the world needs fewer cultural warriors and more peacemakers, reconcilers, and bridge builders. And all I can say is amen to that. Jim Fletcher he goes on here uh, a little bit down, and he castigates some of our friends like Reverend Stephen Sizer, who's written extensively on Christian Zionism, and Tony Campalo and Lynn Heibel of Willow Creek Church, her husband Bill Heibel's, and he makes this indictment. Quote, Lynn Heibel's also spoke at Christ of the Checkpoint International Conference organized by... Palestinians and Christians who oppose Christian Zionists. On the website, com, we also learned that Tony Campello characterizes Christian Zionism as, quote, theology that legitimates oppression, unquote. And then Fletcher replies, Christian Zionism is a theology that legitimates oppression? That is a lie. And he continues on down here, a word of caution. The nastiness of the proponents of Christian Palestinianism will be a continual problem. We must engage these attacks, which are ultimately attacks on the Jewish people. And then he concludes this piece with this. Quote, leftists will always present themselves as reasonable, compassionate "Quote unquote, careful thinkers. They focus heavily on social justice issues and love causes that would make the pacifist hall of fame. Yet there is a malevolence associated with a loathing of Christian Zionists. Check it out for yourself." Unquote. And I don't think we've got a loathing for Christian Zionists. We've got a, a deep Sorrow for their religiosity that seems to lack some compassion, lots of compassion about what's happening to the Palestinians. And so I'll just give a little brief synopsis here of this Paul Wilkinson. He's an associate minister at Hazelgrove Full Gospel Church in Stockport, England. He has a B.S. in Mathematics and Statistics, B.A. and M.A. in Theology, and a Ph.D. in Religions and Theology. An edited version of my Ph.D. thesis was published by Potter Noster Press in 2007, entitled, For Zion's Sake, Christian Zionism and the Role of John Nelson Darby. I have also studied at the International School of Holocaust Study At Yah Vashern in Jerusalem, that kind of says volumes right there. So I'm going to open it up to some comments.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll be glad to jump in. I'd like to go back to something Chuck said last week or two weeks ago, talking about the language being hijacked, and that seems to be the common theme. Whenever I, I look at someone talking about Christian Zionism, they make assumptions like the word Jew. Who is the Jew? Is it ethnic? Is it traditional? Is it, you know, who, who are these people? Sammy Davis Jr. said he was a Jew. Does he have a right to taking Palestinian land? These issues do not get addressed. Tom, what you did by putting up that Australian documentary about the, the abuses of the Palestinian children by the IDF forces, that is something that doesn't get addressed when the Christian Zionists talk, uh, like that young man that you mentioned in the article just previous. The issue is social justice is caring for humanity, less are the peacemakers, like we always talk about. The language has been hijacked to make somehow the people that have confiscated this land over there legitimate. And that the thing that bothers me, and they say, well, I've been reading Alan Dershowitz's book, on the, the case for Israel, and he says, well, you know, if, if you are against Israel only, you know, you're just an uh, international bigot because you should be caring about uh, problems all around the world. Well, problems around the world aren't being financed and supported by the Christian community. What's being done to the Palestinians is being financed by the Christian community. And then my, my father-in-law just got a, a flyer in the mail from International Jews and Christians Association or something called the Wings of Eagles where they want you to make a tax-free donation to this organization so they can go get Russian or Ukrainian Jews and fly them into the occupied territories of Palestine and set up settlements uh, and get a tax write-off to boot. I mean, it's just crazy. Like I talked about last week, white is
0: black and black is white. That was a very good comment, Craig. I'd like to add this thought here. I wonder if... Christian Zionists would consider this example to be an example of Christian Palestinianism. I got this email from a man, his name is Dr. Salim Muniar, and his ministry is Masala. It means reconciliation in Arabic. Dr. Muniar is a Israeli citizen. He's an Arab. He would be actually a Palestinian. His parents land was stolen from them by the zionists in 1948 they were able to stay in the country and he lives there today and as a citizen his group is interested in reconciliation of all people in israel and it's concerned with palestinian and israeli christians whether they're jewish or arab and Here's what he says about their upcoming children's summer camps. Musala's Israeli-Palestinian children's summer camp is designed to provide a framework for Israeli and Palestinian children to meet together in a fun and friendly atmosphere. Here they have the opportunity to build relationships with children from the other side whom they would otherwise not have the chance to meet and learn to counter many of the stereotypes They have learned. They walk away from these camps learning new phrases and songs in Hebrew and Arabic, share habits, become agents of change even at a young age, and leave having made new friends. We also invite Sudanese refugee children to participate as the children learn to be around other groups of people who are living in both Israeli and Palestinian societies. These children represent the future of this land, and if we do not invest in them now and help them understand their common humanity as individuals made in the image of God, we will have missed an, a wonderful opportunity to impact their perceptions and decision making processes early on wow what a what a true example of Christian charity that Jesus taught us it makes it pretty clear that what these people are saying about Christian Palestinianism is really suspect. Chuck, would you like to add some thoughts?
2: Well, I listened to Wilkinson, his entire agonizing one-hour presentation, and first of all, he is extremely smooth and very professional and extremely convincing. And that's exactly what you would expect of someone who is being pushed into the forefront of this new criticism of those who support the rights of the Palestinian people to freedom and life itself, let's say, and who, uh, of course, oppose those who are opposing them. And this is the Evangelical Christian Church or the Christian Zionist movement. The idea of Christian-Palestinianism, of course, is a slur, and it has no real meaning in itself. It implies that people that oppose Christian Zionism are somehow in league with the Palestinians, and most of us aren't. Most of us are lucky to even know one. But I think in listening to people like Wilkinson, we have to be discerning and recognize which of these people knows exactly what he's doing. He knows he's lying. He knows he's carrying out an agenda and which ones are deceived, like some of us have been deceived somewhere along our path where we accepted the ideas that are promoted by the Christian Zionist movement and in the process accepted the idea that the state of Israel is righteous in their actions in so-called securing, quote, their land. In my analysis of Wilkinson, he absolutely knows what he's doing, and the reason is clear. He quoted all of the books I have on my shelf. He quoted... Elias Shakur's blood brother. In it, he condemned Shakur because he ended up being a Catholic. But he started out as a little Christian boy in an Arab settlement that was destroyed. And his book is a story about the destruction of his life and his, the people around him. He told the story from the eyes of a 10-year-old boy of having an army come in and kill off the people in his town in front of him and then of his life story, and he ended up back in Palestine as a Catholic. Wilkinson could not talk about Shakur without knowing what's in that book. He quoted Gary Burge and Stephen Sizer and Donald Wagner. And uh, I have all those books in front of me. Jimmy Carter's book, Gary Burge's book, uh, Jesus in the Land, Timothy Weber, another evangelical who is very clear on this. And well, all of these people have, of course, concentrated on the theological aspects of Christian Zionism. One of the exceptions is Chakor, and he also mentions Porter Speakman in his, uh, in his film on Christian Zionism. What Wilkinson tries to do is he tries to focus upon opponents who have not really come out boldly and said Israel kills Palestinians deliberately and it's murder and prove it, with the exception of Chakor, and that, I think, is his weak link. We, in making our film, The Tragedy in Turning, we started out with a concept that America is a war-based economy, clearly stating to people that we feel that America, that American government, is is very much involved in what's going on. And we ended up with an account of the destruction of Palestinians with a bombing and so that we would make it absolutely clear that we weren't just talking about what Christian Zionism says and does, how it's debated and argued, we're talking about the end result of it, the murder and annihilation of a, of a whole population. So, in my opinion, Wilkinson is a deliberate, conscious member of the, of the crowd that knows exactly what he's doing and somehow pretends not to know. We saw this in another person in another area where over the weekend, a very large Christian magazine, Christianity Today, wrote a story about a opportunist in Houston, Texas. I won't even mention his name. He runs a huge church and he preaches a gospel of, of money. If you give enough money to Christian causes, God will bless you with more money. And then the article in Christianity Today pointed out that this guy who preaches that has been able to get so much money given to him that he has a net worth of $140 million. Obviously, he knows what he's doing. He knows he hasn't given away the $140 million of his own money when he's telling all of the people in his mega church to put money in the plate, because they'll be blessed by God. Wilkinson... is every bit as culpable and guilty as is uh, this man that was written about, and and many others. So my appraisal of it is that we have to treat him like what he is. He is a conscious and deliberate part of the Zionist problem. It's my analysis.
1: Chuck, also with Wilkinson, when he speaks, you know, he's coming from a sort of full gospel background, and he starts speaking, Well, the Lord has given me a word. You know, and he, he, he goes off on this whole thing about, you know, come out, come out from you, come out. You know better. God's going to judge you and so forth. And he's speaking as if he's speaking for God mm-hmm. and has this whole aura of the power of God behind him and which is, you know, trying to justify his existence.
0: True. Good point. William, you have any comments?
3: Well, one of the things that I noticed, and this is, goes back to Chuck, Mentioning all of the documentation that he supplied, and I'm familiar with a lot of those books. I have, you know, several of them on my shelf as well. But when I listened to much of the first part of his presentation, where he's giving all of this documentation for a person who is aware of what those books state, I thought he was doing himself more harm than good because he's not only was he mentioning the books, but he was stating what they're saying. And so, if there's anyone who has some knowledge of what's going on, It's the fact that he's giving good sources for people to become aware and refute some of the things that he's saying. And I think he went overboard in supplying the kind of documentation that refutes the premise that he's trying to uphold. That was my perspective. And as a matter of fact, one of the sources he gave, I went and immediately ordered it. (laughs) <laughs> so I, I thought that this is a great example of a person trying to destroy something, and in the in the um, very process, he's giving out information that would help people to become more aware uh, and be able to see it even greater. Until he got to the latter, I would say the last third of his presentation. That's true. Good comment.
2: It's very weak when you really uh, when you really look at what he said. But he's awfully good at saying it, isn't? Oh he? yeah.
3: He, now he definitely is good at saying it. <laughs>
2: Well, several of those William mentioned, it
0: was a guilt by association, like Stephen Sizer, the fact that he went to Iran, accepted an award there, made presentations, and then, of course, they he equated it with Ahmadinejad, all those kinds of things that anybody that wasn't thinking and has been listening to our news media would say, oh, yeah, that's right, those guys are, the Iranians are going to bomb us and all this kind of nonsense. So. Yeah, it was uh, anybody that was thinking certainly would see through that.
3: Yeah, but that's where I thought his his presentation went below the level of his learning when he started saying, "Look at that picture, see see what's right above his head." You know, I yeah. thought that was just so trivial and childish, and uh, really destroyed his credibility from my point of view.
0: Right. Well, in his comments about calling Jesus, there were several people. Christians over there said Jesus was a Palestinian. So he launched into that. That was a big attack number there, obviously, to discredit these people from calling uh, Jesus a Palestinian.
4: Well, there's two things I noticed. The one thing is when he spoke about the prophecy or message he had received from the Lord, he spoke as if the Lord was not speaking to him but to everyone else. And that struck me as odd. And then the other thing is he, he tried to neutralize himself. When he spoke of the extremist Christian Palestinians and the extremist Christian Zionists or Zionists, he tried to put himself in a neutral place. And you really can't on this issue. You're, you're either on one side or the other. And I thought that was kind of strange, too, because he's, he really spoke as someone who really believes the Zionist message, but at the same time he tried to neutralize himself and separate himself from the message.
2: Exactly. So I, I,
4: thought, I thought that was kind of strange.
2: Very good. He talked about the, uh, yeah, the uh, radical Christian Zionists who he didn't identify with.
4: Exactly. And all of his message was really the same message as everyone else who mm-hmm. believes this heretical message about Zionism, and it sounds to me as though he really lacks understanding. And I I put myself in his shoes because I was once blinded, and so all I could think about is that he really lacks understanding, which means, of course, he needs our prayers, but I really could hear his lack of understanding about the history of all this because he speaks as if this is something that has not existed for a hundred years, when actually it has.
0: I side with Chuck. I think he knows what he's doing. We Sometimes there are people like ourselves that are hoodwinked, but here's a very learned man. He has a Ph.D. degree in theology, statistics, mathematics. I mean, the guy obviously is pretty darn smart, And so you can be confused, but you can also think about these things very carefully. And I would sort of believe Chuck's analysis here.
2: Well, self-deception is a powerful thing. And Laurie is saying that, that that the the element of self-deception... We do it ourselves, and uh, there's nothing that says a man like this cannot convince himself that he's doing the right thing. Just as a guy who's preaching the success gospel is probably convinced he's doing the right thing, even though he's accumulated $140 million doing it.
4: Yes, because when he was over in Israel and he referred to the situation where he was forced out of the meeting, and as, as he was walking, he was crying, and he ran into Jewish People and he was crying, and he made a comment to them. He said shalom to them, and they said mazatov to him. And he tried to equate that as being a sign from God that he was doing the right thing. And as I was listening to that, I was saying to myself, Well, if you're already in deception, you can look for all kinds of signs to <laughs> confirm and validate your deception.
2: Isn't it true? Mm-hmm.
4: Because I've done that before. And yeah. so that's how I was interpreting it as I was listening to it, basing it on the fact that I know he's walking in deception. And I said, well, wow, they just validated his deception by saying Mazel Tov, which meant celebration or something like that. And so really he was trying to confirm his deception mm-hmm. is, is, is what I was thinking.
2: Well, I believe that the Zionist cause is becoming more and more vulnerable all the time, and people like this stretch it further and further, and uh, it is coming apart. It's just that it's a, a very slow process, and we just pray that our little part in it is fruitful and that God makes it work, and we can just keep on with whatever strengths we have to try to bring a little light into the churches that are allowing this to really happen.
0: All right, well thank you very much. I think we're about out of our time here and we appreciate everybody's comments and input. And if you got a thinking friend out there, pass this podcast on to him. Thanks for listening. If you like this program, please let your friends know about it and our other thought-provoking podcast. And be sure to visit our website www.org for a wealth of information on Christian Zionism and other critical issues that we face. Also at whtt.org, you can watch for free our award-winning documentary film, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Join us in our efforts to wake the town and tell the people. Start small, think big, and press on towards the straight gate.